Hey, real quick before kicking things off today, sorry that, as you'll see in a moment, the audio quality for today's episode is a bit suboptimal. Um, I didn't realize until after the fact that I was accidentally using my IMAX internal mic only towards the very end when I made one little minor edit to the segment that I switched to the Blue Yeti. And uh, to the Yeti's credit, uh, you see what a big difference it makes. Anyway, sorry about that. Let's get started. It's Friday, the 30th of August. This is episode 109. Um, Yeah, I realized something funny. I didn't even make a proper announcement in the previous episode on Tuesday that that was, of course, the season premiere of uh, season four. Um, But yeah, we are on our way now. And uh, I am really quite relieved, actually, to be back on top of things here. Uh, Again, sorry for that massive three-month break, but um, really excited to dive in and kind of pick up where we left off. I hope you enjoyed the uh, season opener on Tuesday, and I got to say, the results are actually pretty telling. Um, Actually, I'll just share this with you right now. Uh, Based on the number of listens that episode has received since publishing it Tuesday morning, I can say conclusively that there has been zero drop in listenership in the intervening three months. So that's that's pretty cool. Uh, if ever there was a validation to this podcast, I think that is surely it. So uh, obviously a huge thank you to all of you for uh, making this uh, a thing, really. Right. Anyway, uh, one quick thing I wanted to add. <clears throat> uh, a huge shout out to Jeff Everson, PhD, one of the earliest pioneers of ADAS, if that name sounds familiar. Uh, It's because back in episode 98, I had the tremendous privilege to have him as a guest on our show. If you haven't listened yet, uh, yeah, just go and queue up episode 98. Um, Jeff, of course, was, as I affectionately refer to him, really one of the founders, really kind of the godfather, if you will, of of ADAS systems generally. Uh, He's really the pioneer of uh, emergency automatic braking systems uh, for use in that uh, in the 1990s for use primarily on commercial trucking with this of course then trickled down to passenger vehicles Um, so really a pretty huge deal everything that he worked on in the 90s um, I think it's safe to say that his work is what really led us to where we are today with uh, the emergency you know the ADAS systems on cars today and of course our forward momentum towards fully autonomous vehicles. Um, The point is, uh, I forgot to mention in the last episode that I had the tremendous honor to finally meet face-to-face with Jeff. In fact, we had a nice lunch together uh, at one of the many legal seafoods in Boston. Uh, So Jeff, really tremendous honor to meet with you finally, and uh, yeah, I had a really great time. So then, today, autonomous vehicles replacing cars in Los Angeles. No, autonomous vehicles will not turn sidewalks into cages. And whether LiDAR is, in fact, actually just a crutch. All this, right now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. 
Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armor All products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. So, um, I had a pretty interesting experience. Uh, what? I don't know, several months ago. Uh, I think many of you know that I did live in Southern California for about 12 years, seven of which were uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, I love the place dearly. Um, would move back there in a heartbeat. Um, really an amazing place, uh, not least of which because I am, as I, as I think you all know by now, I am quite a car guy. I do actually enjoy driving. Um, but this particular trip, went down there with my wife for the weekend, and for the first time ever, we elected not to rent a car. And this was interesting because it means that for the first time ever, I was in LA completely without any set of wheels. Not my own, not a rental. And yeah, so we decided to just try Ubering all over the city uh, for the entire weekend. It was a little bit of an experiment, financially as well as practically, you know, doing some quick uh, shower math, as it were. We were pretty sure that it would indeed be quite a bit cheaper than renting a car. Um, this, of course, because Uber, at least compared to places like San Francisco, is it's like orders of magnitude cheaper, actually. Um, but also practically, the question was, would it just be easier, better than having your own your own wheels. Um, well, let me just cut to the chase for a moment and just say that yes, indisputably yes. It was, uh, not only was it unbelievably cheaper than renting a car for, for both of Saturday and Sunday, uh, I should say Friday, Friday evening through Sunday uh, evening, um, including to and from <clears throat> LAX, mind you, uh, to the heart of LA. Well, anyway, kind of the Westwood Beverly Hills area. Not only was it much, much cheaper, um, I want to say maybe $50, $75 for the weekend in Uber costs versus the, what, two or 300 to rent a somewhat decent car. Um, but yeah, it was unbelievably practical. Um, the ability to just kind of never deal with, with parking. Um, I, for one, tend not to be particularly bothered by traffic in LA. Maybe it's because of all the traffic here in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, that, and I am pretty good at finding alternate routes around traffic, um, but really just the practicality of just not having to deal with parking. That's what really kind of was such a joy, such a pleasure. Um, never mind that so many parking lots are easy to come by, that they tend often to be free for a couple hours. Uh, those of you who know the area, even the, the big underground parking lots in Beverly Hills off, what is it, Cannon, I guess, those are free for like two hours. Uh, never mind that valet parking tends to be free. Um, but nevertheless, it was just really, really easy. It made everything just a, it just sort of removed a layer of stress from kind of getting around, especially on such a short trip like that. That was a real, um, you know, it was actually a real luxury is what it was. Right. So how does this, you know, what does this have to do with autonomous cars? Well, uh, a lot, actually. So I've often heard it said quite a few times that, you know, uh, autonomous cars are never really going to be a thing in... Well, I was going to say cities like L.A., but let's face it, how many cities in the world really are like L.A.? I mean, so big and sprawling and with its citizens so uh, enamored of, of cars generally. Um, yeah, I guess I can't really think of any such places, honestly. I guess you could say Dubai, maybe, maybe, but it's nowhere near as big and sprawled out. Um, again, I'm trying to think of cities that are, you know, as big and sprawled and with such a love affair for personal ownership of cars. But putting that aside, let's at least just focus on LA, right? The question is how, you know, how will it ever be the case that people will really embrace 
autonomous vehicles in LA. And well, sitting in that Uber for a little bit, even just after a few trips, and again, bearing in mind that I am such a car guy that I do love having my own set of wheels, it dawned on me pretty quickly, actually, that you know what, this really is better. And then I just suddenly connected the dots and I realized if Uber works in any city in the world, then it must be the case that autonomous cars will work too. Because let's face it, an Uber without a human driver, well, I should say an autonomous car is basically an Uber without a human driver, right? So it's kind of the exact same thing. And so I think the argument that there's something that's culturally at odds with autonomous vehicles, that somehow there's, whoops, sorry, uh, you know, the suggestion that there is some sort of mutual exclusion as between a type of urban environment or a type of culture in a city that's mutually exclusive with the acceptance of autonomous cars, I think it's safe to say that that's just uh, categorically false, really. And, I, and I'm using myself as the, uh, the test subject here to kind of validate that that hypothesis, right? So I guess what I'm really, I, I guess my hypothesis is basically if if a city has embraced Uber, then it must be the case that it'll embrace autonomous cars. So I guess the inverse would be if 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 autonomous cars, you know, do not successfully get deployed in cities, then it must be the case that Uber has also failed in those cities. So I think it's just a really interesting thing to think about, right? Because I don't know, I for one have heard this argument a lot that just certain cities will not. You know, autonomous cars just won't fly. Um, so, so I think this sort of at least provided an alternative point of view. Um, but I'm really curious what you think. So do let me know. Shoot me some, shoot me some, uh, some notes and uh, give me your thoughts on this uh, for sure. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let's talk a bit about, um, about this really bizarre article that I've that I've read recently, it's this idea that autonomous vehicles are going to turn sidewalks into cages. Um, I don't know if you've, you've heard this. I, I should have Googled the article before starting this segment, but um, you, you can probably find it pretty easily. Uh, there's, this, there's this ongoing concern, right? And it's something we've talked about quite a bit in the past. And admittedly, I touched on it in Tuesday's episode. There's this really ridiculous, deep-rooted fear that's, and I say that, but but now that I think about it, now that I say this out loud, I think it's just being kind of propagated by like a small subset of media who are trying to like just spread fear into everybody's, into everybody's minds and, you know, just kind of make everybody freak out about the deployment of autonomous cars. There's this fear that people are, and autonomous cars are just not going to be able to peacefully coexist, right? And this goes back to that whole discussion we've had about like, oh, what do you do if a person jumps in front of an autonomous car? And of course, as you know, I say, well, who cares? What do we do now if someone jumps in front of a bus or a train or an airplane? I mean, these are not new problems to think about or to solve. So so this this article went into kind of this, this, I just think this really ridiculous kind of rant about 
The only way to enable autonomous cars to be deployed on city streets is to effectively, yeah, turn sidewalks into cages. And the, the thing that was envisioned was that basically all sidewalks would be, would be essentially one giant cage. There would be like a metal railing and the crosswalks would have these sort of electronically actuated uh, gates that would flip open and then flip close again to allow or, or prevent people from crossing um, when, when, when the cars had the right of way. Um, this then, of course, would be an effort to not only cut back on jaywalking generally, but to avoid the deeply profound fear that, well, if everybody knows that autonomous cars are just going to slam on their brakes automatically to avoid hitting a pedestrian, then no one's going to really care. They're just all going to walk randomly in the streets and chaos will ensue. Um, yeah, no, that's not what's going to happen. Not even slightly. And even if that were a potential fear, this is many, many decades away, because as I've been often saying time and time again, the initial deployment for the foreseeable future will be autonomous cars on only certain roads, effectively geofence level four cars. So, but, but let's imagine that future several decades away where autonomous cars are indeed deployed everywhere. Um, it, it's, it's not going to play out that way because even today, even today, you don't have pedestrians darting out in front of cars on the premise that, well, nobody wants to run over a pedestrian and therefore they're going to all slam on their brakes and all will be well in the world. No, people generally still have a fear. They don't want to jump out in front of another moving car. And it, it's not because we don't think to ourselves, oh, well, other drivers aren't programmed not to hit pedestrians. Yeah, they are effectively. We we are collectively effectively programmed not to hit other pedestrians. Um, so, so yeah, just because autonomous cars are going to be programmed not to hit pedestrians too, that then doesn't mean that people are just going to blindly jump in front of them. I mean, so, so one good, I think one good kind of verification of what I'm getting at is, is how many people today, how many of you today would have the confidence to step in front of a car with automatic emergency braking with pedestrian detection? How many of you would just trust that thing not to hit you? Okay, then you might be saying, yeah, well, that's because we know that today the technology isn't super evolved and it's kind of buggy and this, that, the other. Okay, fine. But but really? Like, so in a few years, you'd be okay with that? You, you would trust it sufficiently in a few years to just say, yep, yeah, I'm just going to walk in front of it and assume that it's going to stop. Yeah, I don't see that happening ever. I don't think it's ever going to be the case that a human being is going to be completely okay just stepping out in front of a two-ton piece of metal ever whether it's driv driven by another human or by a computer or even a frog. I just don't think it's going to happen. So this notion that somehow we have to corral people <laughs> onto sidewalks with these huge gates and actively prevent them from kind of, you know, flooding into the streets for fear that they're just going to bring all autonomous cars to a standstill. First of all, that's just not going to happen. Alternatively, even if it did happen, well, I mean, it would produce the same sort of chaos with a human-driven car as it would with an autonomous-driven car. So, so, like, what's the difference? It just doesn't matter. And so this kind of all goes back to my original point, which I've been saying forever, which is just that, like, I don't know why these ridiculous hypotheticals keep getting propagated like, like wildfire. It's just, it's just, I don't know, at best it's stupid, and at worst it's totally counterproductive because... We do not need to be spreading all sorts of ridiculous bits of fear into people's minds with respect to the deployment of autonomous cars. People need to be enthusiastic 
optimistic and really embrace and look forward to this. Not not sort of wonder things like, oh, well, what happens if I jump in front of an autonomous car? This is just, this is stupid. So let's just stop it. Okay, cool. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now that's out of the way. Um, let's then talk a bit more about the technology of autonomous cars. Um, let's circle back to this whole debate as between LIDAR and uh, computer vision, right? So obviously, as we discussed time again in the past, and everybody knows by now, um, Tesla, Elon Musk, of course, really unique in the world for really focusing only on computer vision not using LIDAR at all, saying that LIDAR is a crutch. Um, one of the points of views we've discussed about this in the past is that notion is the notion that, you know, if we assume that computer vision will continue to improve um, exponentially or otherwise, then of course, eventually the upper bound of the technology will, I guess you could say by definition, really rival human eyes right? And human cognition. That is, of course, the end game for computer vision. Um, and if that occurs, then, then yeah, it's a reasonable argument, I think, to say that obviously it'll, it will indeed be better than LIDAR. At least that's the easy argument to make. Um, the alternative argument, though, is that unless and until that happens, uh, you know, why not focus on the technology that's actually, well, arguably better in some ways, right? And so this was this is kind of the ongoing back and forth, right? And so Chris Urmson, though, had this really great interview with Lex Fridman from MIT, which if you haven't watched it, definitely watch it. It's fantastic. Um, and this was pretty mind-blowing, actually. He, he went on the record and he said to Lex, he said, look, I actually agree with, with Elon. Um, LIDAR, LIDAR is a crutch. It is kind of an interim solution, as it were, to full self-driving vehicles. Um, but his whole point was, and what he explained was, so what? So what if LiDAR is a crutch? So what if LiDAR is an interim suboptimal technology? It's better to get a suboptimal technology on the road as quickly as possible if it helps reduce the number of deaths on public roads by an appreciable degree it's better to get a suboptimal technology on the road quickly rather than hold out for an arguably and admittedly optimal technology. So, so he's literally saying, look, I agree, computer vision is the optimal technology, but it's a few decades down the road from reaching its potential. So, so why, would we, why would we hold out waiting for that perfection, as it were, waiting for that perfect solution when we can deploy something pretty damn good pretty much right now, isn't that the smarter course of action? And of course, that is indeed what everybody is saying. If not explicitly with those words, then effectively, by you know, in practice, that is what other companies, all the other companies are doing. There, there's, there's this sort of, I guess, implicit recognition that 
sure, LiDAR is not perfect, but it is the least bad thing that we have. And in any event, it's better than the status quo, or at least it has the potential to be better than the status quo, meaning better than human-driven cars pretty soon. And so when you think about it, the real paradox, the real trolley paradox, isn't whether you should crash into grandma or little kid or or crash into a brick wall and kill the occupants of the vehicle, but rather the real moral dilemma is whether companies have a duty to fast-track an admittedly suboptimal solution or whether to wait potentially indefinitely or at least a decade or longer before rolling out an optimal solution, right? It's like we can either roll out a technology today that's going to save some people or we can wait to roll out a better technology which will save even more people, but it'll take 10 or 20 years, 30 years. And in the intervening time frame, many more people are going to die than would be had we deployed the suboptimal technology right away. That's the argument. That's the real trolley paradox. So I think that's a pretty interesting discussion there. Um, again, if you haven't seen the the discussion between Chris Urmson and, and um, Lex Friedman, do give it a listen. It's, it's, or even a watch. It's a video as well. Um, but yeah, so, so I don't know, G- give me your thoughts on this. You know, I, I just think I'm a huge fan of, it's sort of like aviation, right? Like imagine if people, you know, imagine if engineers said, Hey, we're, we're not going to deploy, we're not going to deploy autopilot systems on aircraft because we want to wait until we can do full auto land capability in zero, zero conditions. I mean, if we did that, we would never have autopilot for the last, what, four decades or so in the present sort of relatively modern form. I mean, that would just be ridiculous. So, but, but again, once again, I don't see these mutually exclusive things by all means. Hey, Chris, by all means, and everybody else, absolutely deploy and deploy the LIDAR equipped fleet of autonomous cars as quickly as possible. Yes. Elon, by all means, keep trying to deploy your computer vision, full, full self-driving Teslas in the next year or two or whatever years. These aren't mutually exclusive pursuits. That said, we do need to keep sight of the primary goal. The primary goal cannot and must not be, hey, let's just see who's better than the other, but rather it must be, frankly, what Chris says, which is let's focus on deploying whatever has the greatest chance of reducing deaths on the road in the shortest amount of time. That needs to be the goal. Um, If ever there was an example of focusing on the short-term gains rather than the long-term, this is surely it. I mean, we literally actually cannot delay saving human lives. And so if there's any way to to kind of fast track that, then it must be pursued. All right, well, that's a wrap for today. But before signing off, just a quick shout out to my dear friend and former UCLA sweetmate, Ben Jones. You probably know him on Twitter as Data Remixed. He quite literally wrote the book on Tableau. Well, I'm about to hop on a plane to fly up to Seattle with my wife to celebrate with Ben and his fiance Becky. They are getting married today. So Ben, Becky, a huge congratulations. And of course, we wish you all the best for an astonishing, amazing future together. Can't wait to see you party with all of you tonight. To everybody else, it is the long Labor Day weekend, at least for those of you here in the U.S. So I wish you a wonderful weekend indeed and look forward to see you back here next week on Tuesday. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.